All right, everybody, it is Sunday afternoon, and we are back with another Not A Podcast podcast. This week, I like to refer to this one as the average loudmouths joining forces and bringing to you some, some interesting talk, I believe. Today we got Jeff Shanahan, Ryan Dempsey, and our friend Kyle Steele from the Loudmouth MMA podcast. Gentlemen, how is everyone doing this fine day? Hello. Living the dream. Awesome. Outstanding. So, I mean, we, we talked, you know, we, we, we talked before we recorded. We, we started recording, of course, which we always do, and we, we shared some, some great stories. But hopefully we're going to share some, uh, some awesome stuff on the air today for the, for the Not A Podcast podcast crowd. Um, I don't know, man. What, uh, what's, our, what's our topic today, Dave? What's our topic today? Our topic today is, is drugs. Drugs, alcohol, illegal activities involving drugs and alcohol, I suppose. <laughs> and I th- and I think we're gonna have, I think we're gonna go deep. I think we're gonna go deep in the murky waters. <laughs> I should pull out the the hash oil hitter. I mean, I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting here next to my fucking my nectar collector right now. <laughs> you guys are we're we're having an episode where we're diving deep into uh, you know getting through addiction and stuff like that. As you guys are smoking hash oil. <laughs> Getting through, feeding, whatever it is, right? Yeah, right. Right. I mean... Uh... Marijuana is such an interesting one because I, I'll say this, and uh, and I'm sure this will cause some debate, but I, I'll, I'm willing to go toe-to-toe with anybody on it. Um, this idea that, that pot is not addictive is insane to me. Of course it's addictive. If it wasn't addictive, you wouldn't be doing it. The reason why you're doing it every day is because it has you know, an addictive principle to it. And, and more so than that, you know, your brain naturally produces THC, which is why any, any drug you take, the reason why you're getting addicted to it is because you're increasing an already existing chemical in your brain. That, that's what's causing the addiction, is you're synthetically um, either reproducing or you're synthetically increasing some chemical that your brain is already producing. So... <clears throat> Oh, you could be addicted to, to anything. Like you can be addicted to video games. I know people addicted exactly. to video games. It's what, when they say that you know pot's not addictive. What they what they're trying to, to what they're really trying to say is that it doesn't have those physical addictive qualities. Where like um, if you if you smoke weed for a year and then stop, you don't go through those wicked withdrawals. Like if you take uh, if you take painkiller like oxycontin for a year and then just yeah. stop you're gonna have these physical withdrawals these these physical addictions exactly literally that's yeah, i mean cold I think... sweats the shakes and all that kind of like the vomiting like all those things that like your body's been so uh accustomed to getting all that stuff put into it whereas with we you're just quote unquote enhancing this and that and the other thing yeah but it is still has that all those addictive qualities to it Oh, definitely, definitely. Hell, you can be addicted to, I mean, so many so many things that you don't even think of that, you know, people are addicted to shopping. People are, you know, that's not a drug. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's just something that people love to do over and over and over again all the time. I mean, there is... Look at sugar. Like, sugar is probably, like the, like, the most addictive thing in the world, but... Yeah. No oh, yeah. One, no one, but no one really calls anyone out on it. Um, you know, someone's walking down the street with, like, a bag full of candy bars and say, like, ah, whatever, they just like to have their chocolate. But, well, no, they're, like, highly addicted to sugar. That's, yeah. that's the problem. 
yeah. a huge problem. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Joe Rogan. I just put out a thing where like uh, refined sugar is now like the is the leading cause of cancer, but I, no one else is talking about it. Hey, I talk about it. this. Just a little side note: I stopped sugar about a month ago. I am down almost thirty pounds. I have, wow. I have, yeah. Just all I did was hey, cut out sugar. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I, that's the good thing about being a man, too. Like, for women, that doesn't work as well. For men, a lot of times if men just stop sugar intake, I mean, it's like it's so easy for them to lose weight. It's a lot harder for women to lose weight doing that. Yep. I just weighed in at 232, and I'm down, oh, it's about 20, I'll say about 28 pounds, 27, 28 pounds. And this is the lowest I've weighed in a long time. And all I did, all I did was stop sugar. That's it. You're a lot lighter than me. That's it. Yeah. Me too. I was I was up in I was up or upwards around two fifty five two sixty area for a long time. Um, yeah, I'm at two sixty right now. Yeah, me too. But that's it. That's that's, that's if, all. But if I were to cut down any if I were to cut out any sugars to that, I I would probably go from about two fifteen easily down to like one seventy like in like six months time, like just because of the amount of like gluten and sugar like that way that I eat. I have no doubt that I would just be like a pole. I had withdrawals from sugar. I felt it. I felt myself, you know, coming <laughs> off of it for like the, the, you know, like the, the first week or so. I can feel myself not, I don't have any energy. I don't have that, that quick buzz that you get from eating a candy bar or something where, you know, you get right. that, that quick boost of energy. I felt myself coming off of that, for Christ's sake. Well, I'm, and I'm wondering what type of, Okay, so, you know, one of the things you guys were saying, and I wanted to comment on, which is you could be addicted to video games and shopping, and right, everything has the ability to be addicted around. But the big difference, though, is that when you're addicted to shopping or you're addicted to gaming, you're not, you're not directly affecting these chemicals. You know, there's the three main chemicals in your brain. It's dopamine, it's serotonin, and it's melodyne or something. I don't mm-hmm. remember, but... Anyway, there's the three kind of main chemicals in your brain. When you're talking about shopping or gaming addictions, you're usually talking about your adrenal gland, right, which is a different type of an, addi- an addiction, right? You're increasing that adrenaline um, synthetically through something like shopping, which is weird, but for people, that works. For me, that doesn't work. You're still going to have – if you take someone who's addicted to shopping or addicted to sex or addicted to whatever, and you remove that from their life, they're going to go through withdrawal. Right now, the withdrawal is not going to be any more intense. With pot, though, there, there is a big difference here because I've heard that a lot, and I just want to address it. A lot of people, when they talk about, like, well, of course, pot's a little addictive, but so is gaming or so is whatever. I want to say that the big difference is that pot, when you smoke pot, you are synthetically increasing dopamine. Right? That's where the name dope comes from. You're increasing the dopamine in your brain. So when you stop smoking pot, your brain doesn't realize that it needs to start reproducing dopamine again because it's been synthetically produced by this by this plant right for however long so when you remove that plant your brain it takes your brain at least about i think i've heard anywhere from 45 days so i've even heard some people talking about six months and i don't know which one it is but i've heard it kind of varies you know but it takes your brain at least 45 days to go oh yeah we have to produce dopamine on our own we don't there's this this thing that was producing it's not doing it anymore right or, or, or triggering us to do it so when people stop smoking pot maybe they don't have the type of withdrawals you have with 
opiates, right, where you're shaking and you're vomiting and that kind of thing. But people who stop smoking pot, you're going to get very depressed. Things that you enjoy doing, you're not going to enjoy as much. Food's not going to taste as good. Like, that's the kind of shit you're going to have because Definitely. you're basically, you're basically right. forcing your body into this depression. Absolutely. Your, your brain's not producing these chemicals. Marijuana is so, an, an antidepressant. It, that's, it, it helps resolve some of those depressing issues by making food taste better, by making you know, uh, situations or, or uh, uh, social yeah. interactions so me, feel better. So to me, better. The, issue comes, the issue comes when people who, say, don't have anxiety or don't have depression and they're smoking pot, and when they're then not smoking pot, say they're not like an extremely habitual user, they're now introducing this depression into their life that would not have been there otherwise. You know, they, they would have been right, perfectly right. fine that they never smoked pot because they don't have anxiety. They don't have depression, right? They just smoke pot because they're in a room and somebody was doing it. So they decided to do it, right? There was no real trigger for it. I have friends who smoke pot medicinally and I understand it. I get it. I'm cool with it. Uh, of course I'm cool with it. it dude, if you want to inject heroin into your asshole, have fun. Like, I, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not my line. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't get to comment on that, but it's like. I think people just need to be careful with, like, especially with something like pot, because we have so desensitized it. We look at it like it just doesn't matter. It's just a plant. It's just this. The problem is, is it's also not just a plant. They, the the person you bought that pot from did not walk out into a you know into a cornfield and pick that out of the ground. That's not what that is, you know. And depending on how much like like how how bad the swag is that you're smoking. You know, for some people, I know that obviously you guys are like, I was yeah, say, I yeah, not, yeah. Not, not here. Jeff's not here. Swag. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff's no. not smoking Mexican ragweed. No. No, 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 no. But, but people that's are. Been long gone. Yeah, we, we yeah, actually. People are still doing that. There, there are some oh, instances you know. of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's oh, not a plant, you know. That's that's not a plant. That's something different. Some people, you know, you know some people will take that swag and, and spray it down with, with, with painkillers, heroin, something to drop you, you know. Because the the weed is garbage, they have to spray it with something else to to get you up or get you down. Or um, it's it's not just necessarily. But like us around here, because you know Michigan's is what it is. We actually have many instances where we just go and pick it from the ground and dry it out and smoke it. You know, we do have that around yeah. here, and it's we're lucky enough to That's have nuts. that. That's really cool, though. You know, we yeah, we're, I mean, we're I, lucky I enough have, to have that here. I've had my card for almost seven years and like i get it directly from my caregiver who i can go and see my plants anytime i want watch them grow i know what he puts on the plants i know what's growing like i i experience everything that goes to that plant before and half the time i trim it myself so like see that's cool i i guess i keep forgetting that we've come really far yeah dude Mm -hmm. we've come really far i mean we've had we've had medical in michigan since 2000 and Eight. And I know Ohio recently got it, but like you guys also just, I think I haven't really read much on the laws, but I think it's mostly just edibles and, and concentrates, if I'm not mistaken. And it's definitely not into effect yet. I okay, it hasn't it taken effect, effect yet either. No. Well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, it's not because of my my past. I mean, right. I, I really try not to drink beer even unless, like right now, I'm getting ready to open a white rascal. So if I drink beer, it needs to be because I'm like, ooh, this is a craft beer. I have to like, I have to get my mind right, even with beer. I have to really tell myself, okay, I'm drinking this because it's an experience. 
You know, right. I'm like, this is a this cool little craft beer from this company in Colorado I went to. You know what I mean? Right. Um, where see, that's what more like, people need to do do just in general, also. Just like mm-hmm. get away from like those big companies and stuff. Like just if you can like, like anything you can get in a uh, craft form or whatever like that. Like why not go for it? Because like, you're more likely to savor it and less likely to abuse it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's me. I mean, I never really had an issue with alcohol. I did a little bit, um, but I don't know if that. I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was. It certainly wasn't the same thing as when I was addicted to opiates. I mean, that was a. That was a whole other thing, and, and I never got like that with alcohol. But it's just something I'm conscious of, you know, knowing my history. And there's some family history there, too, with alcohol. So I try to be conscious about it. Listen, I still, it's not like I won't drink a Coors Light or something when I'm out, or, you know, that's if someone brings over and we're having a, a grill or something. I just need to be doing it. I need to be very purposeful when I drink. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, not just, yeah, you're not just sitting around drinking to drink. You're you drinking because there's a reason. If it's you're not, you're not taking a cold 45 out of a paper bag on your stoop <laughs> yeah. because it's Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if, it's, if it's if it's eight o'clock and I'm just sitting around drinking a Miller Lite, like that that means that something's wrong. You know, like that's that's what that's how I look at it. That's why I stopped drinking because I had a serious problem with alcohol bad i've even got the the jägermeister brand tattooed on my arm because i would drink that stuff like it was like it was water i would i would go through two-fifths the night to myself every night it was i mean i got it got ridiculous bad and i had just i had to stop altogether if i have even a little bit of alcohol it's like i gotta have more i gotta have more i can't i don't know when to stop so i like it's been about four, four or five years now since I've had any drink of alcohol at all. Um, I can't, and it's family history too. You know, my everyone on both sides of my, you know, my mom's side of the family. Um, one of my uncles died from drug and alcohol use. The other one went to prison for alcohol abuse. Uh, one's wherever the hell he is because of alcohol abuse. It's, it's we had alcoholics on both sides of my family, and I, I fell into it too, and I was drunk for two years straight didn't even realize what was going on i was so drunk all the time i can't touch the stuff anymore and even socially you know dave where do you because st- okay, there's always that like uh uh there's two sides of the fence of people look at it when people say that alcoholism it's a disease you where do you stand on it as that because you don't hear a lot of other addictions being called a disease but for some reason alcohol they always say that it's a disease. I don't find any kind of addiction to be a disease. I kind of find it to be its own classification. Addiction. It's a dependency. It's a. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a physical defect. But whatever you want to call it, I don't think. I don't think of it as a disease. When I think of it as a disease, I think of something that is inflicted on you that's against your will, um, like cancer or AIDS or whatever. Whatever you want to call it. Um, alcoholism i chose to put that stuff in my body no one made me right. do it it wasn't it wasn't thrust upon me by the natures that will be um i chose to i chose to drink it and i chose to stop drinking it too i those were choices that i made and that's i, I just don't think of it uh, i didn't choose to get cancer or choose not to get cancer when i th- or choose to get lupus or not choose to get lupus you know so i don't think of those things as a disease in that term i, I think of them as as poor choices 
and that's the only way I can think of it because maybe someone else will think of it differently because maybe they didn't have a choice. It was right. You know, they were they were born a, a crack baby, and they they weren't they didn't have any choice whatsoever in that matter. Their their parents were doing drugs while they were in the womb, and they came out addicted to it, and they were addicted to it forever. Maybe maybe in that term, it is a, a disease, but. For, and everything that I've ever done, it's always been because of my choice. So, right, you you could have went left or right. And Absolutely, you chose the direction that you chose. Right? Absolutely, I'm the only one to blame for anything that I've ever done. Anything, it's, I can't blame it on it uh, being a disease at all. So I I think if I could chime in, absolutely, I think, I think the reason why, um, like, the reason why this is such a big issue is because people have to put it into a little box in order to care about it. So right, if, they yeah. get, if they can get a bunch of people to say that it's a disease, then they go, okay, cool. That means people are going to get a shit and people are going to try to help these people. If we can convince them that the person who's doing these drugs, that's not their fault, right? There's something that's in their genome. There's something that's in their path, whatever it is. If we can convince people that it's not their fault, now people will start caring. The problem is with the people itself, right? That you have to tell them that in order for them to care. That's fair. right. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. What, but even if it is their fault, who gives a shit? Step in and do something about it. Fix and it. Help and fix they, it. They, they have said that, uh, you know, uh, great grandparents, grandparents, parents. Uh, if over the lineage, people do stuff, how it does alter the DNA. Well, and here's so, the thing. So someone could be more likely to want to do something than someone else. Sure. There's a reason why, you know, anyone who's met me, obviously if you've known me for my, you know, since I was in sixth grade, you're going to have a very different view of me, right? But you guys are, are meeting me post all this stuff, right? Post all the opiates and post yeah. all that. You know, so you're going to have a very different opinion of me than like Kevin does, right? He's been my best friend for you know, 15 years. You know, and, but if you, I don't think you guys would think that I'm, you know, super compulsive or I'm unintelligent or that I'm a shitty person or whatever. But, you know, I still, I, when I took this drug, I was a, an entirely different person and I had no way of bringing myself back. I stole from people. It did not matter. It did not, there's nothing, it did, things did not process my, in my brain the same way. And there was really no getting out of it because you can't get out of something that you don't care that you're in. You know, I knew that I was in something. I knew that I was slipping away. I didn't care, but that doesn't mean I didn't need help because now I've had the help and now I'm fine. I'm a productive member of society. You know, I have a family, I have a house, I have cars, I have a good job. I have all this stuff now. Right, what I would not have had had people not taken an invested interest in my life and said, hey, we think you can get past this. And, and, and it's not easy. People helped me out of it, and I would relapse. I relapsed five times before mm -hmm. I finally did something. I joined the military, literally. It's literally why I joined the military. I said, okay, I'm not, I cannot, I've shown that I'm incapable of doing this on my own, that there's something that no matter how bad it gets, I overdosed more than once, Right, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how people, can, it doesn't matter. I'm unable to f fix this thing on my own. So I made a very tough decision to say, okay, I'm just going to join the military and 
just make it to where I can't do anything, right? And just basically kind of detox myself through that process. And that's what I did, and it was awful. <laughs> you know, was, like, oh yeah, fuck! I bet, and I and I don't yeah. want to go through it again. I'm glad it's over. But here's the, but now I'm fine, right? I mean, I would fine is probably not the right way to put it, but I'm not. I'm not taking pills, so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you talk about I think that, uh, yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say, uh, you know, you talk about relapsing, and it's funny how a lot of uh, society looks at relapse as, oh, that person's such a failure of this and that and the other thing. Um, and one thing uh, we talked about uh, briefly, Anthony Kiedis, uh, you know, before he hit record, uh, in his autobiography, he actually put down, he was writing the first time he went to rehab, the first thing that um, the person in charge, uh, there was 10 people in the room, and he said, everyone look around, this, uh, you know, everyone's in a circle, <clears throat> he says, look around. He says, only one of you will walk out of this, uh, walk out of this room when it's, everything is said and done and never come back in here. Because they're like ninety percent of people that do any rehab will relapse, and there's such a negative connotation with relapse that well, that person's just weak, they 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 can't do it. But the fact is, is that like relapse is like a, a reality of life for for addiction. Oh, and there there was this thing on Facebook I saw one time, and I've told this story before, so but I'll I'll tell it again here. It just it resonated so intensely with me, you know. And if you're listening to this and you have a drug pass or you're currently going through it, I mean. I think this will resonate with you as well. Um, but Danny Trejo, you know who that is. I think Absolutely. that's what uh, The actor, yeah. So he he posted on Facebook, he was blowing out the candles on a cake, and it had 50 on it. And it, on the bottom it said, 50 years sober. And people were commenting on it, basically saying like, oh, you mean he just doesn't do drugs? Like, what do you mean he's 50 years sober? Like, that's... He just doesn't do drugs or he doesn't drink or whatever, whatever his vice was. And I, when I saw that, I was like, how true is this? And people who haven't had addiction problems, I don't think they understand that you are never not, you're never not an addict. So I'm still an right. addict. 100% right. I'm an addict. I, I'm and with you. Same here. 100%. And everybody who's ever had an addiction, you are an addict until the day you die. And the moment you forget that is the moment that you're going to be foaming at the mouth in a Taco Bell bathroom. You, you, you have to always remember if you have done this thing and you have gone and you've become addicted to it, addicted to it in a way that we know what the difference between casual and addiction is. So you yeah. have to be able to tell yourself whether you're addicted to it or not, right? You need to be able to know that. But if you have ever been addicted, addicted to something, you are addicted to that thing forever, forever. It'll, it'll never go away, period. You can I, love, yeah, I, love, I love that you say that. We have a thousand times. It doesn't matter. No. It never goes away. The difference is, is you making the choice to not do it. You know, there are days where I have to make a conscious decision to not seek out drugs. And this is, I mean, this is a tough thing to admit. I mean, it's something I've talked about and I've been relatively open about, but I have to make a conscious decision to not do this, you know, because I, I, my brain is not wired the same way as everybody else's, you know, or at least people who don't have addiction. I mean, I'm talking to people who've had addiction. Exactly. So you guys know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But my, my brain is not wired the same way. You know, when, when I come upon walls, my brain goes, oh, oh, well, just go take some Percocet. Like, you're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, it's like, it's this weird little voice in your head. And I, I don't know, I don't know how to get rid of it. And I think that's what I figured out. You know, same thing with having... You know, I have a, I, 
one of the reasons why I got into drugs in the first place is because I have a very um, intense anxiety problem, and I've had had this for my whole life, and um, it's just one of those things you have to deal with. It happens to a lot of people. Zach, who I do the show with, has been very open. I mean, he has an incredibly intense anxiety problem. I mean, I don't want to say problem. That's not the right, the right way to put it, but you know what I mean. He has yeah. an, an intense anxiety mm-hmm. disorder, and uh, it's very, very bad for him. I'm very, very fortunate that mine is not that bad. Um, but uh, but anyway, you know, and when I was taking opiates, that was going away. And that was one of the main reasons why I kept doing it. So I didn't even realize that I was doing anything wrong, per se, because I was just treating something that was wrong with me. You know, and that's why a lot of people who, like uh, like gymnasts, why they become addicted to heroin, you know, is because it's usually stemming from something real. They have a lot of injuries, you know, wrists and ankles and shoulders and knees, you know, and they wind up taking Vicodin or Percocet or something, or I mean, God yep. forbid, Oxycontin or Fentanyl or something. Yeah. To try to, oh, yeah. Treat, yeah. Try oh. to treat a very real pain. See, that's the thing. They're they're not just taking Percocet because well. Here's what I'm going to do today. That's not what it is. They're taking Percocet because every time they walk, it feels like their knees are about to get out, right? So you start taking this medication to treat the pain. Well, eventually doctors stop prescribing it, right? And then you start buying it on your own. And very quickly you realize how expensive Percocet is. And you realize how expensive Vicodin is. And you start start doing this mathematical equation in your head, this algorithm – the, the, the opiate algorithm where you go, okay, is the extra money I'm spending on this pill worth not sticking a needle in my arm? And eventually that algorithm starts tipping. You start going, yeah, I'd rather just stick a needle in my arm. I mean, at this point, like, I don't have any fucking money. So I don't have any other choice. So that's how these gymnasts get addicted to this stuff. So that's why, again, people refer to it as being a disease. But it's not because it's actually a disease. It's because by calling it a disease and by trying to convince people it is a disease, you're getting people to care about it. Because if they truly believe that it's your fault, they're not going to give a shit. They're well, going to say, well, then don't do that thing. Yeah, they'll try to heal you at that yeah. point. They'll make it a cause. And, you know, once you know that soccer moms and the like find out that there's a cause out there that they can wrap their hand around, and they, they will try to heal you for the cause. So... That's, I mean, gymnasts is the same way as, as uh, well, we talk about pro wrestlers. Pro wrestlers fell into that that category, and they were dying by in droves because of painkillers and painkiller overuse. Because those Somas. Ca- Somas, they had to ban, completely ban Fucking Soma use. Relaxers. Yeah, oh my God. Uh, you, ever, uh, you ever hear uh, Kurt Angle talk about his days? Jesus Christ, like you're talking like he's taking 40 pills in, the, in a day. Yeah, 40 Viking in a day. Like Jesus, like just like, just like you know, to, to some like to me, I hear like you know, I take three or four a day. That I would think that would be a little, you know, be careful. You hear someone saying that they're taking forty. It's like, <laughs> holy shit! Oh, you yeah. went out there and you performed. Like, like yeah. to me, that's just an unfathomable thing to do. Still function well, that's like, that. That's like the yeah. the story about. Um, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, and, and oh. Scott Hall splitting the <laughs> splitting the hundred somas. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Scott Scott Hall said. Yeah, I took one extra, <laughs> so he was more fucked up. 
<laughs> that, that was the reason he's like, he's like I, I took one more than you guys because you know he took 34 the other two only took 33 so, so he was that much more fucked up than the other two guys you know because scott hall is funnier than fucking hell hell so <laughs> they fall in that category too man and um you know i've i have been taking opiate painkillers since i'm six years old and i still take them but I've also broken 60 bones. I've had 30, about almost 30 surgeries. I've had hip replaced. I've had both ankles replaced. I've had elbow replaced. I've had shoulder rebuilt. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had a shit ton of injuries. And I have never, because I've, I've been taking them for so long, and I've never grown an addiction to them. I just don't care if I take them or not. It's just I can't even wrap my mind around that. That's I know. I've, it's I so insane. This, you know? I can't even wrap my mind around it. I can't even wrap my mind around it. The first time he told me that and explained the whole thing to me, I had the exact same reaction, Kyle. I was like, how the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was... I was that's, on, uh... that's most of the population, though. I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's why we... You know, that's, again, why people try to label it as a disease. It's because they're trying to find a way... Instead of just saying... Kind of what Jeff said. I think what Jeff said was perfect. Or David, I don't, I, I don't remember. It's one of you two. But you said it's not a disease. It's an addiction. It's its its own thing. And I think yeah. people keep trying to relate it to a disease. And I, I agree. I also don't think it's a disease. I've gone kind of back and forth on it over the years. But I've realized when I was saying it was a disease, what I was really trying to say, which is it's not entirely that person's fault. There's something else there. There's something in their genome, you know, there, people go in to get their wisdom teeth taken out, and they get prescribed maybe something that's opiate based, and they don't ever come back. You know, yeah, and that's absolutely. not normal. That's not normal. Normal people when they take an opiate based medication, they're going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to be fine. Yeah. So when when you have other people take it, they don't. People don't get addicted to these things because they go, "Ooh, I can't wait to." to take a Vicodin for pain and get addicted to it or take a tramadol for pain and get addicted to it. Like that's not what's happening. You know, that's not what's happening. You know, people are taking this pill and all of a sudden there's this, their body's being just taken over by it, you know, because it's true. It's hitting their brain in a certain way that nothing has ever hit their brain before. So that's what people say. It's a disease. I think that's what they're trying to explain. They're trying to explain that phenomenon. And I think it, the problem is the message is being really convoluted now because the debate is whether it's a disease or not as opposed to whether we should help the people or not, right? The, the, the tone of the debate is you're having this false dichotomy created where people are just arguing, is it a disease? It's not a disease. It is a disease. It's not a disease. As opposed to who gives a shit? Uh, tastes help great. These people. Less filling. Yeah, just help treat them. Tastes great. <laughs> yeah. Less filling. Tastes great. <laughs> there it is. And it's fine too, because you think about like drugs and alcohol too. Like before, it wasn't it, it wasn't necessarily like a such a taboo thing. Like you look at uh, music and movies in the '60s and '70s and even into the '80s, how it was like, oh, this guy's doing this and that and everything, so we're gonna do it. And then it just it, it kind of became this norm, and then uh, everyone else had to do it, had to do it, um, to where it became not necessarily a problem is insert oh you you don't want to take uh you don't want to take a bump from this massive fishbowl of coke like what's wrong like you were is almost shunned to not want to do it um to where the problem 
grew and grew and grew because some people were doing things that they necessarily would not have done. Status symbol. There's also that. Yeah. You know, at, yeah. at, at parties, there's... Uh, um, I almost... I mean, I didn't really, but um, the very first time I did cocaine was was almost that. I mean, everyone was doing it. I'd never done it before. I was drunk. Um, and I was like, fuck it. Why not? I'll try it. And that fuck it, why not? I'll try it ended up being the addiction that nearly killed me because I would do, I don't even want to, I hope my bosses aren't listening to this, but I don't listen, I don't work for them anymore anyway. My addiction got so bad that while I was working, I would go see the dope man in the morning, get my, my ball of Coke, my couple grams, and I'd drive to work and I would chop up the lines and put them underneath my keyboard at work in my office so that every it was every like 90 minutes i would i would lift the keyboard up do the line put the keyboard back down no one knew it was there no one knew what i was doing and i'd keep doing my work and i would do that every single day every single day and once i got to the point where i couldn't afford it no more because coke is fucking expensive as shit then i would start scamming i'd start scamming people and then i'd start stealing from people and once I started stealing from people I realized that I'm not the guy Mm -hmm. that I'm not the friend that I was to people before because I was a good friend to people I was I cared about people and I I cared about how they were and once that and then once once I couldn't afford coke anymore that's when meth took over and once meth takes over you're you're done you're done that stuff for a $15 bump you'll be up for three days every time one of the biggest mysteries in my life, like one of those things that you know, I, I talked about before, you can go left, you can go right, you don't know why you do it, but you did. Uh, when I was 18, I was running my first kitchen, and I saw these shady characters always walking in, handing bags off to these guys who had been at the restaurant for years, before, like longer than I had been. And, you know, there's always the little salad plate in the freezer, one by one throughout the night, no. In a six-hour shift, that freezer door is probably open 150 times for guys just to quickly grab the credit card or the, you know, whatever, and grab that, <clears throat> grab the straw, and boom. The first time, Ryan, here, here, take a line. I was like, what? No, I don't, I don't want to. Was, oh, come on, it's a, we're all doing it. Go, go. I never once touched it. And, you know, to this day, I've never once done a line of cocaine, which every kitchen I've ever walked into they always look at me and they're like how have you never done yeah. cocaine like, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's because cocaine alcohol and weed that those are your three big well and and painkillers uh but to us extent, but those those three are the, the big things in the kitchen so if you find someone that has for some reason never done one of the three you look at them like they're a unicorn it's like what you've you, you've never done how like how can you admit <laughs> it this far without doing it once and okay okay so, too much for me, man. Ugh. I've uh, I've never done coke either. I have. It's just it's too much. I can I can I, and and I like for me the the strangest thing that people like anybody that really knows me and, and knew the I was best friends with a couple of guys in a, in a local band here that that did a lot of things and shit. But those guys were like synonymous with cocaine. Like they had a fucking drug dealer that followed them around. And I managed to never do cocaine with it. It just, coke never appealed to me. I was on Adderall and Ritalin and shit from the time I was in fourth grade until I took myself off of it in college. 
Oh. So like I, I so like I knew because like I, they they diagnosed me with ADD as a kid, and then my <laughs> f- freshman year of college, I was just like, you know what? I don't I don't want to do this shit anymore. So well, I that's just honestly that's stop taking the reason it. why the reason why. Okay, when you took Adderall, did it make you? Did it slow you down or speed you up? Slowed me down. See that? See, cocaine wouldn't sit well with you anyway. So you're nope. you're probably but, very similar. But to me. but after taking but I've taken Adderall as an adult recreational an now after not that being on it and it definitely sped me up like oh, okay. okay i was flying and shit and like drinking fucking like a fish and just you know partying on it so all right well don't do but that like no no i haven't touched <laughs> i haven't even touched this i don't fuck with stimulants like he's I, a, yeah, a downer ca- uppers caffeine uppers are just like i i can't even again talk about like how just wrapping my mind around stuff i mean it's crazy how different people's just body yeah. chemistries are well. I think in just brain chemistries, really. I mean, like uppers. Problem with uppers for me is I just like I had the same problem with cocaine that I had with shrooms, which is that it just my brain gets going and I just hate it. And like when I when I was doing when I was you know using drugs, it was usually stuff that slowed my brain down. I, I, right. Speeding my brain up is not. I don't need that. It's it's plenty fast. I mean it's. It's cruising. I don't need any help. <laughs> so, you know, when I'm taking, sorry, I was doing a little laundry. That's probably what those background noises were. Um, so yeah, like I've done. I mean, I've done cocaine a couple times. N- never as you know, never as well as an adult, but never as post army. We'll just say that I I kind of have like pre army life and post army life, and it's right. two very different two very different people. And uh, so, yeah, I mean. I remember doing shrooms the first time I ever did shrooms. I've done shrooms twice. And I did it the second time because I thought maybe the first time I just went into it with the wrong mindset. So yep. when I did it again, I just tried to like, okay, you're going to go into this different, right? Like you're relaxed, chill. You're going to think about this. You're going to meditate on this. You know, I just like had these, I had these prompts written out in a piece of paper. I was like, these are the things I'm going to meditate on as I'm, as I'm doing this and going through this experience. And uh, yeah, I hated it. Hated did you it. have, did you Both have a panic times. attack? No, but no, it just, um, I would. Or just like anxiety in, in general? It would just be this like, like I would be walking down the street and I would be like, what if I ran into that sign? What if I oh, climbed out, up the sign? Why were you oh, out in yeah, public yeah, on yeah, mushrooms, yeah. dude? <laughs> I was out in public. I was out in public. No. We went to Steak and Shake. We went to Steak and Shake. <laughs> I remember, oh, man. We went, no. to, we went to Steak and Shake and I was... Oh, Kyle. Boy, I was Kyle. Je- Jeff's getting ready to bring with the blackboard and the chalk and give a lecture on This is like, not how you do it. No. No, we're, I was oh, going man. through this thing where I'm like, what if I what if I ran into that sign? Would I get hurt? Well, if I did get hurt, like, what would the sign go into me? If the sign went into me, what would it cause this thing? And what if it, like, ripped me down and it went in? And then would I become a sign? And then what the paint? I mean, it's just, <laughs> just like my brain was just going a thousand miles an hour. And I just, I as it was happening, I was really uncomfortable, but it was re- when it was done and I was looking back on it, I'm just going, I'm never doing that again. And on the same <laughs> level, using any type of upper, which I understand shrooms on an upper, it just had a very similar effect on my Yeah, brain. yeah. But when I'm, when I'm on an upper, I'm like, <laughs> I just like, unless it's caffeine or something, I'm just like waking up in the morning. Yeah, I have no, I have no interest. I have no interest. I, I, can't. I, need, I need stuff <laughs> to slow my brain down. I can't really say anything because, like, my second time ever taking shrooms, I ate an eighth of them and then went to a Clutch concert. That was 
super yeah. super sold out and like i got separated from my group oh no because <laughs> <laughs> like they, we were up in the balcony like smoking and stuff like that and it just got super hot and i was like i gotta go the problem oh. was was like we were at the very front side of the balcony so you had to go up a set of stairs and then down oh, a set of stairs yes so like i got downstairs i almost fell going up the stairs and i was like can't do that again so i tried to find my i tried to find my friends downstairs and it was just not happening i spent like half the show just like standing next to this bar debating whether or not i could get myself to go upstairs and then a friend of mine texted me he was like hey man come up here and then that was all i needed and then i went oh god yeah Yeah, that's not a good idea that's a very very bad idea yeah well i live my life motto was just like, well, I guess if we're going to do it, let's fucking do it right. Cause like I, <laughs> or wrong <laughs> or wrong. Whatever the, wrong. I mean, I had a fantastic time. Don't get me wrong, but like, I've never had a, an addiction to the, the maybe, maybe outside of fucking weed, obviously. But I mean, like I really enjoy pills, but I only did them to a point where I, a habit or an addiction would start. And then I would stop doing them for a while or, like, you know, take time off. But, like, I... Think I, a, I, I think a big no. part of addiction is that you don't enjoy it. You know, like, I, I didn't enjoy being addicted to opiates. You know, no, like, wasn't, nobody I was, I was not... Yeah, they, they, they always say about that, that, uh, that feeling of, like, you know, you, you've done it, but then there's like that instant regret of why am I doing this, even though yeah. I feel well, this way, I hate myself for doing it, like... I mean, I don't know certain things because I, I, I've done so little, but I've heard so many people tell me that. Like, why, like I asked them, why do you do it if you don't feel good? Was, I, don't, I don't know. I feel good at that first. I feel good when you take it. Awesome. And then there's that regret. But then, you know, as it starts to hit you, you forget the regret, but then the regret comes back. And, I mean, it, 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 I mean, any addiction, any abuse, it is a very confusing thing if you haven't done it, right? Well, like you can't put yourself in a person's shoes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, for me, the, the thing that kept me, uh, like, I guess focused and aware of what I was doing was also the fact that same, you know, group of best friends and shit that we were also doing a lot of coke were fucking also opiate addicts. And I lived with three opiate addicts. I, I had never <laughs> done opiate, you know, pills recreationally until my friend introduced them to me. And it was just like, here, open your mouth. And I would take it. And, okay, here we go. Up, oh, take another one. So, like, I ran the gamut on pills outside of oxycontin. <laughs> I think there's pretty much not a, a an opiate I haven't tried it and done many times. But, like, living with three opiate addicts and watching that shit daily and then, like, because a couple of my roommates, they would try to kick every few months, you know, just to kind of clean themselves out for a little while. So... But, like, I mean, my, my one best friend's in fucking prison right now because of his pill addiction. That was a great band. Yeah. That like was a I, great band know. around here. I really enjoyed listening to them. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know those guys. Uh, I knew them enough to um, uh, say, you know, how's it going? How you doing? Yeah, good. Right. You know? But I didn't. I never really hung out with those guys. But I knew, you know, I knew what was going on with them, and uh, that yeah, sucks. Yeah. That I sucks mean, every, that homie's in prison right now. It really does. Everybody did. Well, I mean, it's it was his own thing. Like you know, he, he had opportunities to get help. People tried to help him, <clears throat> and he just wasn't willing to do it. Yeah. Well. 
Sometimes that's what it takes. You know, one of, I had yeah. a, I had an uncle that had to do. I had there was I have two uncles. One died of an OD. He shot a speedball. Uh, Ooh! Oh wow! Yeah, when I was I was eighteen. Uh, seven, sorry, I was seventeen, and I went to it was the LC around here. It's a small arena. Uh, I went to a White Zombie Ramones concert, and I came home and I got the news that he shot uh, too big of a lobe of uh, too big of a speedball and killed his heart uh, right there, died. And my other uncle was already in prison. If he didn't go to prison, my other uncle, Mike, if he didn't go to prison, he was going to do the same thing. And he went to prison for 15 years, cleaned him up. And as soon as he got out, now he's out now, he's already a full-blown alcoholic. And I'm surprised he's not back. Yeah. That's how, that's how my genes are, are... you know, they're like, you know, if you touch it, especially alcohol, you're not going to let it go. It's just, it's See, ridiculous. And that, and that's, what's amazing, that's the amazing thing about, about you, Dave, is that you made that conscious decision to, you know what, I might, I might do some oil. I might smoke yeah. a joint. You know, yeah, I might take an edible. Yeah. But what, what the problem lies here, and even though what I might, what I might do might not be 100% awesome, what I'm not doing is 100% terrible. And, and even and then, the, you know. That's a hard thing for people to find. It's, I can't. I've, I watched, I grew up watching what, what alcohol did, and, uh, what alcohol and drugs did to my family. And, you know, it didn't steer, steer me away from, from doing that coke and meth for a little bit. And I didn't do it that long. I didn't, it's not like I had years and years and years of abuse. It only lasted about two years, the, the coke and meth use. So it wasn't like it was. You know, I, I didn't have 10, 15 years under my belt of, of supreme use before it killed me. I just, I got in and uh, I got out real real quick, relatively speaking. But uh, even now when it comes to like, um, I'll, do, I'll do some weed because the weed calms me down, helps me sleep. But I'll call Jeff, you know, I'll message Jeff and be like, uh, uh, you know, what, what is this stuff? Am I, is this stuff strong? What am I doing? And I fucked up. <laughs> and I fucked up the other day. I didn't. I had a friend bring me over some butter, and yep. I had no idea how strong the stuff was. And I didn't message Jeff. I just said, "Oh fuck it." I, I made some toast. I slathered the butter across it. After a half an hour, I was talking to aliens. It was bad. I was so high. I slept oh, for no. two days. Jeff came over to do the show on a Thursday, on a Thursday and I was still asleep. I was. Yeah, I wake him up. Yeah. Too much going on. I just. I can't do that. I don't. I don't know how you guys find time. Oh well, you know, every so often things just happen. <laughs> I. I keep. I, I. I mean, I keep a relatively busy schedule. I don't have kids, but I, I fill my time with plenty of other shit. But... Well, you don't have kids, so I guess you. You have. You have more time than even you have any idea. Yeah. You, you have so much time in your life. It's insane. No, I understand. Well, you see that, there's the, the problem. Is, once you have kids, that's when you have to start figuring out, well, okay, I'm going to make my time. That's when throw the kids oh, to yeah. the wife and just, just run out the door and say, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Kyle already does that. It's called podcasting time. Yeah, it's called podcasting time. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's We talked about, uh, about that podcast schedule more than anything, I feel like, lately. Like, Holy how, shit. Half, that's like, why. There's, 24, there's 24 hours in a day, but in Kyle's world, somehow there's like 38 hours <laughs> in a day, and three of those well, are dedicated to podcasts. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think Justine's on the Nicolas Cage podcast, so at least he can 
He can justify that one because she's a part of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very strategic. Um, yeah. and, does, and does a fantastic job. Oh, she's great. She does great. It's awesome. I have. She would. She would. She would do the. She would. You have, and she would do the MMA one with me if that's something that she cared about. She right. About it. So, you know, we had to, we had to get her on something that she cared about. But she does a wonderful job. Um, uh, I mean, also talk about someone that doesn't have any. You know, she's never had. She has a family history, um, and uh, I think she, because of that family history, she's been very intentional about not really drinking or smoking or doing any type of drugs. And uh, I think she also kind of has a hard time understanding it, really. You know, understanding what what it means. You know, why why can't you just do this thing once? You know, and I think that a lot of people have that have that where it's like they don't. And maybe because they shouldn't understand it. Maybe because it doesn't make any sense, you know. But a lot of people have trouble with that, which is like, why? Why can't you just do it? Why can't you just do it and then not do it? I wish. I wish I could. I wish it was but like that, but it's not. That, even getting away from things that, like, uh, you know, can make you drunk, can make you see things, can make you like float on air, whatever. I mean, I don't take aspirin because when I started cooking full time and I was going. 12, 16 hour shifts nonstop. I would wake up, take four aspirin, just because I know I wasn't going to have my, like, I needed caffeine, or else I'd have a, a blinding headache. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to get any caffeine into my body for about four hours, so I had to take aspirin to avoid that headache. Then going through intense heat and just, you know, you're sweating and not eating and you feel all these pains, I would uh, take some time, depending on the, the season. If it was closer to Christmas, I would probably take thirty aspirin uh, within a two-hour period before the sh- before the dinner rush would start because I know how bad my brain was going to hurt, and it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I said, "You know what? Uh, I'm, when I started baking and I got out of uh, cooking, I said I'm, I'm done with I'm completely done with aspirin, and I haven't touched aspirin in about probably four years now because of the fact that I know that." I, if I have a small headache, I could just take six aspirin, and I know the pill will be gone in two minutes, and I'm putting six aspirin in my body. I can take one aspirin, and it'll and the pain will last a bit longer, but I'm going to want to take that second, that third, that fourth, just to speed up the process. So, I mean, just, I mean, it's not necessarily, like, it's not about even uh, altering altering a, a happiness or filling a void sometimes like just preempting or uh, uh, preventing rather uh something from happening can be a it can be a terrible thing yeah well they uh and, I, and i've uh, I'll, I'll tell this kind of story and then i'll i'll head out of here but you guys should keep going absolutely uh, i have to go out we're we're, we're having uh, we're actually doing a nick cage podcast today Awesome. Yeah, man. This one will be out in a couple weeks um, because we have some backlogged episodes we're going to release, you know, Monday and the next Monday and so on and so forth. And then Jeff. Yeah. 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 We're recording recording Snake Eyes in person. That's right. That's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing that one, guys. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. In person, too, man. So we're going to do a fight companion together in person, and then we're going to do one of the, uh, we're going to do Snake Eyes in person for the Nick Cage pod. Um, so yeah, I was gonna tell you. I mean, this is a story I I was talking about before, uh, you know, before we started recording. But uh, so I got my wisdom teeth taken out, and the medication that they give you that that puts you to sleep 
uh, it turns out it's something that I had taken before um, recreationally. So, <clears throat> so if you've done that, um, they can't really give it to you because it could trigger the addiction and it could also, um, it also may not be effective, right? Because if you abused it, it, mm-hmm. it may not affect you the same way. So I basically got my, my, got my wisdom tooth taken out while I was completely awake. And, um, you know, it was Novocaine dump. It didn't hurt, but you could feel, I could feel it crunching. I could feel the, oh, the teeth crunching yeah. as they were getting out. It didn't hurt. Uh, it was just, it was just really uncomfortable. It was a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. But anyway, yeah. kind of a cool experience. But probably the biggest thing is that afterward, um, since I was awake, there's a lot more damage that they do because they can't like position your head whichever way, you know, because you have muscles that are trying to keep them from doing it. Or if you're knocked out, you know, they just they can move you around a lot easier. So they did a lot more damage than you normally would do. I got dry socket uh, on two oh, of my teeth. God. Yeah, I got dry socket in two different places. And, uh, yeah, just not a good time. But the problem was I couldn't take anything other than ibuprofen. So, I mean, that's the – not only could I not be put to sleep, but then I couldn't take anything more than ibuprofen because, again, you know, there's this there's this very real possibility, and it's happened to me. It's happened to me one time kind of post-drug use era where I have used medication because it was prescribed to me. And I just chose not to say that, oh, I actually have a history of this. Is there anything else you can give me? I basically just didn't go through that process. And I said, you know what? I'll be fine. And I took Tramadol. And within three or four days, I'd gone through a bottle. And I was like, well, nope, I can't do this. So never mind. Um, and then I'll, I'll never make that mistake again. Because that I, I could have derailed all the progress. Easily. Easily. Yeah, right. I will never I'll never I will never ever make that mistake again. It's almost like I'm glad it happened when it did. Because it was before I'd even met my wife, you know, obviously before we had kids and gotten married. So I'm glad it happened when it happened. Sure. You know, that I kind of learned that lesson that I can relate to later. You know, because I've had back pain since then, of course, and I've had injuries where, you know, it's easy to go to the doctor and say, Hey, yeah, just give me some pain pills. But nope ibuprofen for me my friend and i i don't even like taking ibuprofen really if i don't have to not because not because for very very similar reason as ryan not that i'm, I'm you don't get addicted to ibuprofen but you know i just right. if i can if i can just deal with the pain and not put a foreign substance in my body then that's probably what i should do sure. um so yeah i mean and that's something for my whole life man like god forbid i can do a car accident or something you know where i have a some type of chronic pain i mean i don't know what i'm gonna do yeah. And it's a very real fear. It's a very real fear. Like, what well, happened? Definitely, like, they could be into a car accident, and they could they know, could put it into my body without me knowing. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're unconscious, and they they strap you to the gurney, they get you in the ambulance, they put yeah. something in you, and yeah. you wake up, and all of a sudden, like you're very... even though even though you consciously didn't do it, your body is yeah. reacting to it. And uh, and it's not it's not even a joke. I really, literally live in fear of that. Like I really do. It's something I think about often. You know, just like, man, what if that happens? Like, what would I do? Because now I have kids. Now my whole life's different now. You know, right. I, I don't have I don't have time to figure shit out. You know, I don't I don't have that luxury anymore. You know, so what if that happens? What if I get some type of chronic injury and this stuff's put into my system without me even knowing it? I, I'm not in control of it. You know, I mean, I am and I'm not. I mean, I've obviously gotten through it, so I have some type of control. But it's you're, just, yeah. You're also conscious like, of it, really, too. I'm very conscious of it, extremely, probably more than I even need to be, really. But, 
it's just yeah that is definitely a real fear of mine and i hope that never becomes a becomes an issue but guys enjoy your episode i'm heading out um i will be uh i'll listen to you guys tomorrow man i'm excited hey thanks Bye, for coming kyle. out and doing this kyle really appreciate yeah, that you. man thanks for opening up with us yeah thank you talk soon Bye, all kyle. right man they, that is kyle from loudmouth mma Loudmouth Network, Nick Cage Podcast. So many hats he wears, so many podcasts he does. That's the Green Lantern, man. That's the Green Lantern. I mean, I don't know how that guy has enough time today. I mean, (laughs) I'm a dad to two little ones, and I don't have enough enough time to breathe. And there's like 15 million (laughs) podcasts on top of that. Like, it's an amazing thing what he. He's he's a champ multitasker. You see, he was you know he was feeding his kid. He was doing laundry. You know, last time I had him on, uh, you know, a few couple weeks back when I had him on the the main show to break uh, to preview one of the cards, he was he was shopping at Kroger while he was doing it, doing the show. He was you know he he manages. Oh yeah, he multitasks like a motherfucker. He's a multitasking motherfucker. He was on with Blake one time. He was out running some kind of errands, just walking around. Um, he was doing something when we, we had for the sandblasting fucking episode. Yeah, yeah, doing dishes or something. I don't know. No, that was, that was Blake. That, that was, was Blake. Outside, he was just outside doing yard work or some shit. <laughs> That's what they do, man. They they multitask. But um... so when he the interesting thing like to me when he brought up tramadol. So you know we we've all we've I've talked about my fucking history with my back and shit for a long time, but. Mm-hmm. My doctors, because I'm open about having my card, will cannot and will not give me fucking opiates. They won't give me any kind of Vicodins or anything like that because I have to piss for them. And clearly, I'm, and clearly I'm going to come up hot. Yep. So this, they started giving me Tramadol because of that fat, which I don't even really fuck with the Tramadol that much unless it's bad. But that shit's fucking can be crazy dude like i mean i've obviously i've I've taken shit recreationally i've fucking just popped two tramadols for the fuck of it and saw what it can do and if you're drinking like that's what that dude uh that just got convicted in muskegon that josh humphreys guy yeah that's what he was using to fucking uh like as a date rape drug yeah that's the i don't know if you heard about this right i don't know if we talked about this at all but this guy had we didn't how many counts that were against that had come forward. I think like thirteen, but there was. Oh, one was. I think you. I think one of you guys may have shared it on Facebook. I think I, I, did. I did. Okay, that's. It's I did. Kind of I, went like, to, I went to school with this piece of shit. Like he was two grades ahead of me, or something like that. Yeah, he was. Josh was two years ahead of me, but yeah, I went to high school with him. He's a fucking weirdo, creep, piece of shit. So, um. My friend, uh, in front of the show, Scott, you know, Dale and Scott, my buddy Scott, uh, yeah. he had to go to the courthouse for, it was like three days ago, whatever it was, four days ago. He had to go to the courthouse to register something. I don't know what it was exactly, some kind of paperwork. So he was, uh, and he had to go in front of the judge for something. It wasn't anything bad. It was just, you know, it had to get done. The person ahead of him was that Humphreys dude and he, Jeff uh, Scott got to watch this Humphreys dude get sentenced for all the stuff. Jesus. Oh, oh, wow. So so he was in there. He's like Scott, like me. I hadn't heard anything about this. Scott hadn't heard anything about this. I didn't hear about it until Scott shared it. He said, "Did you know that really? there's a, that there's this mega date rape dude? He's he got like 26 years per count or something like he that. Got, he got 28 to 51 years total 
um, of of prison sentence. Or he was sentenced okay. from twenty for twenty eight to fifty one. Hopefully, hopefully he gets like fifty two. Hopefully he serves like and then like his <laughs> the co defendant hasn't been sentenced yet. But yeah, dude, this was like a big thing for years with Josh. Like this has been going on for. That's messed up. Fuck. Over ten. That's... I mean, I'm twenty three, so we're talking over a decade now. Of him, like, like there, there's plenty of girls that probably didn't come forward, or cases that just got swept under the rug. Well, but that's that's tank. crazy because for like tramadol, I can't take tramadol because if I take one, it makes me sleep for 15 to 18 hours straight. I can't oh, wake yeah. up. I can't. I can't function. I can't wake up. I can take 10 narco and and function. I can take oxy and function. I can take morphine and function. I take one tramadol and it makes me sleep for you know eight, fifteen, eighteen hours straight. I can't take the stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes it depends. Like sometimes it hits me differently. Like sometimes I can take it and be fine. Sometimes I'll pop two and I'm fine. Sometimes I'll pop two and or would pop two and just get completely fucked out of my head. And and when I when I would pass out, I would pass the fuck out. <clears throat> and if you're drinking on them, oh fuck, uh, oof. And if well, you're with, if you unknowingly, because he would just drop them, he would drop them in girls' drinks. Oh, what a, what a oh. fucking piece of shit! Well, like my my friend Hank, that uh, he used to, used to work at Cancun, so like that was like one of Josh's big stopping grounds was at Cancun. So like Hank had to turn in security footage. Um, oh you can't wow! Actually, you can't actually. This was years ago, mm-hmm. but you can't actually see him drop. But like he turns and and does something with a drink and then comes back. Oh shit! Well, yeah. Even if you can't actually see it, you know what the fuck he's doing, right? You know, wow. So <clears throat> I didn't know shit about this till Scott shared it. I really didn't. I didn't. Oh, wow, I didn't even dude. know what's going on. Yeah, you this know? was like a big deal. This guy was like a major predator, and like he had a bad reputation around town anyway. Like for this shit, uh, you know, a lot of accusations before charges were finally ever brought against him. But yeah, it's been going on for a long time. Wow. A lot, a lot of years, a lot of people fucking... We had our own Bill Cosby. We had our own Bill Cosby who had Duh, a sidekick. Yes, cool. Mm-hmm. The Cosby show was running wild. And we had, you know, we didn't. We had uh, that crazy Willis cat running around. I don't know what the fuck he was on, but he was out murdering people, you know, left and right, kidnapping oh, Jeff them. Willis? Yeah, so we had some crazy motherfuckers around here. Dean Metcalf back in the day, that dude that fucking killed that Andrea Bossy chick. Ugh. Back in the 90s. Yeah. They, they didn't even find her body until a couple of years ago. Yeah. She buried her across the state. But yeah, out there in, like, Whitehall. So what's, uh, what's the, uh, Jeff, what's the worst drug you've ever done? Methadone. Methadone, yeah. I'm with so, you. Like I said, like I said, outside of, outside of Oxy... Like maybe one other thing, I've ran the gamut on opioids yeah. and opiates. I mean, I lo- I've, I've never touched heroin, but I mean, methadone is as close as you can get to it. It might as well outside, be methadone. Outside of, yeah, outside of Oxy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that. I think, I think just... methadone is worse, really. It's more, oh, yeah. it's dirtier. It's just Meth- filthy. Methadone is a motherfucker, but it's a fucking incredible high. Oh, yeah. Like, I took that, and I completely understood, like, A, how people get can get hooked on that, let alone how people get hooked on heroin. Yeah, I took so to I was like, I get it. Yep. Oh, yeah. I get well, it. Well, I mean, you, you probably got prescribed it for pain, right? I did. Yeah, I did. 
Yeah, I I just was taking it to get fucked up. Yeah, I and even when they prescribed it for pain, only once did they prescribe it, and I took it, and I got so fucked up off it I couldn't function. And they were giving me at a time that I needed to take something for pain and function. I was still working. And function, right? So right. I, I brought it back to him the next day. Uh, got a visit. I said, "Bro, I can't take this stuff. Give me something else." You know, I got I got to work still. I was working. I was still working at the time. I had nine fractures in my left hip, and I was still Jesus. managing to 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 hobble myself into work. So I didn't want to quit the job. I loved that job. I loved working there. And I'd walk in and I'd eat. I was they ended up giving me Norco instead. I would eat four Norco while I was at work. I put my leg up and I just worked with a broken hip until they, you know the boss finally said the owner of the company finally took me aside and said, "Go fix yourself. Go get you know your job's always welcome here," but. They gave me the methadone, and I couldn't function on it. And oh no! You know when I can't I, function on a painkiller, it's strong. I functioned okay, but I just got really fucked up. Like I took it in social settings. Like mm-hmm. I was at the Blue Note one time, all fucking doned out of my head, and like watching music, and these heavy waves are fucking coming on. And I'm just fucked, dude. I can only imagine what people were. But I, but I, but I, I felt like I was functioning fine. Sure. Like I wasn't like waddling all over the place or like in the corner nodding out and shit. Like I was standing up having a good time, but I was fucked. And after a few times of that, I think I took it one more time after that, like probably a year later, and I was like, Yeah, I'm good. Good. I'll stick with I'll stick with fucking Norcos and shit when I wanna have a good time and get fucked up. Uh, but like we, like I said, I lived with addicts. So yeah, like, yeah. We, we used to on Mondays when uh, we used to have Intervention Mondays. <laughs> we would watch the show Intervention, and we would fucking we would put a Xanax under our tongue, eat two Norcos, and then like let the Xan dissolve, and then smoke a smoke a joint while we watched Intervention, and then just get fucked up. Nothing tastes worse than a dissolving anti-anxiety med. Ativan, oh Xanax, Ativan, Clonopin, all of them. They all taste like the fucking most, ass. It's the most bitter fucking thing. That's why, like, yeah, you had to take it under your tongue so you couldn't taste it. Mm-hmm. And when you were ready to swallow it, yep. you had to wash it down with something real quick. Yep. Yeah, Xanax is fucking gross tasting. And Ativan's the same exact way. Exact yeah. same thing. Uh, Ryan, I think yours is what, aspirin? <laughs> 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 no, you know what? It, it probably would have been Tylenol three or four, or whatever they give you for wisdom teeth. When I was yeah, when I got my wisdom teeth. yeah, yeah, like I had I had that when I, when I got my wisdom teeth though. But I was one of those like randomly rare cases where I had no swelling, I had no bruising. Lucky you. Uh, I mean, I the day after I had my wisdom teeth. <clears throat> so I mean, you know, you have your wisdom teeth out, you sleep for like twenty four hours. The next day. I was at the park playing soccer and heading the ball, even though the, the surgeon said, you know, don't do anything with your head. I was, you know, doing everything that I could, just having fun and had no problems. And I had only taken them once or twice, but I had held on to them. And it was uh, probably uh, one of the times where I didn't, I couldn't get to the store to get aspirin when I was cooking. I had taken the whatever, like I said, I don't know if it was three or four, whatever the, the level was. That was, I took them, got through the shift. I felt a lot more woozy uh, than just feeling like no pain. I kind of felt like that little highness, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. 
but aside from that, you know, I mean, like, weed, beer, I mean, I I do a little shot here and there, but hard liquor really it fucks with me a lot more. So I stick to beer and the occasional glass of wine, but uh, I, uh, my addictions are my addictions. It's yeah, that's they're, fine. They're, I'm not. They're, I'm not. They're, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, dude. This is a really good oh, no, thing no, for no, you. No, no, hundred percent. Like, I mean, my. Like, I mean, oh fuck! Look at our conversation the other night in the in the chat group. You know, I can tell you the 138 main event from UFC. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, my brain. Like, I mean, I have my addictions are a random thing. It's like, it's watching fighting. It's doing this and that. Like, I get joys out of some things. Cool, but mine yeah, is. Life, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, mine has definitely been was was meth. Yeah, and, I, say, I would probably classify that as the worst. Yeah, one. yeah, and, yeah, meth hard. Uh, you know, dirty. cocaine, and, and it all came about because of coke. And I couldn't afford coke, and the guy had meth, and I never, I never shot meth, I never smoked it, uh, never got, I, I just snorted it. And I would break the little crystals and just do a little tiny bump. And that one little bump that would last, I would be up for three days. And I didn't really like, I didn't like meth at all. I did it a few times. And the only times I ever did it was when the Coke man was out of Coke. And I had a meth guy. And that was the only times I ever did it. Because it's not like the buzzes were similar because they weren't. Coke was so much better. But Right. Uh, Cleaner. Oh, yeah. So much more. I can imagine. You know, you could... Uh, you could, I could function on coke. It's just you know, it was you, you'd, you'd, <clears throat> your dick would get harder. You'd fuck better. I mean, so much more things are better when you're on uppers and speed like that. And you, you have no idea. Right. You could throw down when you take it. You know, I had a, uh, I had a chick that you know, her and I were doing it. So I'd make her, you know, do it off my dick and stuff like that. It was just crazy. You know, do lines <laughs> off your dick and stuff. You know, but you could do. Harris and uh, Helen Kumar was doing the coke on the stripper's ass. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You have to nipples, everything. You know, put it across a little landing strip, blow it up. Yeah. So, um, but once you that you could do that fine off off coke. It's it's real easy buzz. But once you get that meth in you, your teeth just you get gritty and your and your body shakes and you don't you know you can't get it up. You can't do nothing. You just you you basically sit there with the shakes. And your eyes wide open for three days. You can't function enough to to have a clear enough thought to play a video game or do something to pass the time. You just sit there shaking and gritting your teeth, and that's it. It's it's a horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever done in terms of drugs. Like the, the worst. And oh, I'm glad nah. I, I am glad I only did it a handful of times. I'm glad I'd never progressed to smoking or shooting it. I only snorted it maybe three, four times, and I'm glad it never progressed from there. Uh, stimulus, stimulus just never appealed to me. Yeah, I hear a lot of people say that. I hear more people. I love more people say that they'd rather go down than up. Yep, I like I like fucking I like weed and I like opiates. Like opium. Oh my god, have you ever smoked opium, Dave? I have. Yes, like I have. Good... Oh god. Yeah, put the ball inside on, on a needle, put the little yep. cup over top, and just took that cup to the side. I was fucking oh, wasted. We to, dude, we used to snake it into blunts. Yeah, yep. Because, like, same time period, uh, the pill guy also could get fucking 
gram balls of fucking heroin for 15 bucks or not heroin opium yep for 15 for 15 bucks a shot that's a good price that's a really good price because we were paying we were paying double that easy summer summer 2009 or 2010 we were consuming a shit ton of opium and we were we were still smoking blunts so it was just like we'd fucking snake out a bunch of opium into the blunt roll it up and fucking smoke it Put a chunk into the bowl, a little bit of weed, get fucking lit. My, I, my I had roommate, no clue about anything about opium until it was my uncle, my uncle Bill, the one that passed that shot up the the speedball. He's the one that got me into. He got he helped us get <laughs> opium and hash and teach us how to smoke it the old school way, you know. And we're talking this is yeah. back in '95 because uh, he passed and like he killed himself in like '97 off of that that uh, speedball. So, yeah, this was in 95 or so when we were getting stuff. It, I had never experienced a high like that until I had that opium high. That was fucking nuts. Dude, opium is the shit. My roommate <laughs> bought a fucking golf ball. Oof. A golf ball of fucking opium. Mm. I mean, that shit lasted forever. But so one night we were just sitting around fucking. We threw down a bunch. That almost old... feels like impossible to, to imagine. Yeah, it is. It wrap your fucking like, head just, around it. Dude. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm trying to picture a <laughs> golf ball right now. I'm just like, yeah, dude, man. Like, I just like, oh, good lord. Yeah, dude. Yep. This was a ball of fucking opium the size of a golf ball. I swear to fucking god. Like the first time it showed up, and I, I was just in awe. I was like, how the fuck are you gonna smoke all that? In um, time. But yeah, so we were just sitting around the house one night. <laughs> And like I said, we smoked a big old bowl. We just each threw down a chunk. And then we were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. So we probably threw down like a half gram. Oh, Lord. And just fucking put it in the bowl and roasted it to between the two of us. That's one of the most fucked up I have ever been. I bet. I was Oof. just like laying on my bed. And like I had these bamboo shades. <laughs> and I could just see like the, the cars and shit. Like the lights going by through these bamboo shades. I just sat there laying on my bed for like an hour watching this shit go down. Good God. Yeah, man. I was fucking wrecked. Wrecked. I've had some pretty good mushroom trips, too. Yeah. I went went through a lot of mushrooms in the one summer as well. I didn't do a lot of those. um, Mushrooms or acid, really. Um, Never done acid. I was working myself up to acid. And when I got to the point where I felt confident with the amount of times I had done hallucinogenic mushrooms, that I was like, yeah, let's fucking try acid and see what happens. I took one of the smallest amount of mushrooms <clears throat> I have ever taken in my life by myself, drunk at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and had the worst trip I have ever had alone in my life. I passed out, woke up peaking, and could never grasp reality again for like five or six hours. Um it was bad. It was a really bad experience. And because of that night, I took mushrooms like one more time, like a day or two later, me and all my roommates took a bunch of them and like had a really intense fucking trip. But after that, I haven't touched them in almost a decade. Yep. Me if neither. There was ever, if there was ever a chance where I would ever consider taking acid, it was lost on me. It was acid or shrooms. One was uh, hallucinogenics. Uh, I was talking to my cousin, who was a couple years older than me, and he was saying how him and his friends one day decided to, to do them. 
and uh, last I forget which if it was Astro Shrooms, and he took them, and he was looking at this. He had like you know a bunch of like seventies uh, bands uh, posters in his mm-hmm. basement or in his father's basement, and he just started tripping. Oh yeah. And he woke. And and he just he, he always said it was I just remember like the posters were coming to life, and the next thing I remember is waking up in the morning, and he was talking to his friends and they told him everything that he had done the night before when they went out, and he has no knowledge of leaving. He literally said like I took it. Ten fifteen minutes later, these posters were coming to life, and I was sitting there freaking out. And I woke up the next. I woke. I, I woke up. It was almost like the drug just like just disappeared out of him, and he just came to. But it, you know, he was out for like six, seven hours. Went to a couple of bars. Went to see a band. He had no memory of anything. But they're like, oh no, you were like, how then how fucked he was. He was running around, running away from these things. Like, and I was like, well, you know what? That, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not gonna try that one. I'm just gonna take that and just stroke it off, and I'm just gonna have another sip of some beer. Like that's. I'm just gonna keep to what I know. Sounds like acid. <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. like it to me. So. <sighs> it's yeah. it, it's. Uh, and, and, um, you guys listen to? I just listen to the Fire and the Kid, but they had uh, Aubrey Marcus on yesterday, yesterday or two days ago, and he was talking about how science is now being able to take hallucinogenics and taking certain things out of them and make them beneficial to mental health. And the FDA is just shooting shit right down. Like Yeah, in microdoses like psilocybin and and uh L S D and stuff can can be beneficial to, to like helping things, but it's just because like Joe Rogan fucking is microdoses. It, uh, gain one of them too. Right. Uh, possibly. I think Ibogaine is one of them too. Ibogaine is something that you can use to to kick heroin, I believe, but the side effect is the fact that you have like crazy fucking trips, insane like uh, hallucina- hallucinations and and crazy uh, uh, visuals and uh, I don't know. Joe Rogan was talking about it too. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, that's that's why like they do it in like microdoses. So, like you don't even really because like even mu- like mushrooms in a small amount, you're not gonna. A very small amount. You're not gonna really hallucinate. It's mostly no. just gonna be a bunch of body shit. So, um, but yeah, like ment- there, there's been studies on on microdosing things like that for mental health and shit. Right. Then you just need to bring back ludes, and I'll be happy. Yeah, no shit. I I do really want to try ludes. I I would take one right now if presented with a lude. I would yep. absolutely take one right now. Not a single fuck given. Yep. Dude, I went out Friday night with my coworkers and my boss, right? Uh, and we went out drinking, and I also ate... Somebody gave me two brownies, and I consumed both of them. Awesome. On a fairly empty stomach while drinking, and got uber fucked up. Like, not super fucked. They weren't strong edibles, because they were made with... Like, the weed was baked into the, the brownie and shit. Uh-huh. But right. I I generally like I will smoke while drinking, but I generally don't mix eating and drinking. Because right. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, because eating edibles has a completely different effect on your body than fucking smoking weed is. Yeah, it's eleven um, times more psychoactive. 
Right. I read the and, play. And it wasn't even like the psychoactive thing. It just fucking like wrecked my body. And at the point where I was waiting for my cab at one slash between one and two in the morning, um, almost up for 24 hours, drunk <laughs> out of my fucking head and, and had two brownies. I, like, I could, I felt my body, like, couldn't stand upright. I was fucked. <laughs> fucked up. You, you actually, never mind, you guys want to hear, you guys want to fucking laugh. Uh, I had never taken an edible in my entire life. And, you know, 420... Uh, five years ago, maybe six years ago, guy comes into work, ends up on brownies. Says, hey, 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 you know, happy day, happy day, blah, 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 blah. I just think nothing of it, and I know what it is. I've never done it. I feel, okay, you know what? I'll eat it, get high, it'll be fun, cool, whatever. Get home from work, it's about 10.30. Tell Kara what it is. She's never done edibles. I've never done edibles. She eats it, or she eats half, I eat half of, you know, the, the brownie. And we're sitting there watching uh, watching a movie, watching TV, just hanging out, doing whatever. Nothing happens. Like, ah, okay, whatever. Completely forgetting about the digestion that's required for things to start kicking in with edibles. Like, you go to bed, wake up around 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and I look at Kara, I'm dying. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, I looked at her and I said, Kara, I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. Can you call my name? And I, I, I'm like, at this point, like, not only like just like, you know, when you're, when you're laying in bed, but you sit up and you push yourself so your back's against the wall. And I'm like, Kara, right now. You've got, and she goes, I can't. I don't feel good. This is, I'm not right. And there was no clue to to either of us at the time because we were sleeping and we woke up this way so we're just oh, like Jesus. Oh, god. oh my god what's going on and we're freaking out and uh, and then we start really like, okay oh my god it's the brownies okay we're good we'll be fine deep breaths open the window calm down it's okay lay down falls in. the next morning i had to wake up i was up at seven o'clock for work next morning still feeling the effects yeah i called her, I, I called around uh probably 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock uh, that morning i was like what the fuck? What? what what happened last night? Like, gee, thank God you felt the same way as I did. Because if I would woke up and said, Kara had a heart attack, call the police or call the ambulance. You think she you're going to die, but nobody yeah, ever does. Because if your husband's telling you that he's having a heart attack, the wife's going to call 911. But she was so, uh, she was such in the same state as me that she was like, nope, can't do it. I'm, I know. No, I can't. I, I don't feel it right. But it was like just like, we look back, we laugh about it nonstop. This is like, it was like, what the fuck were we thinking? Kind of, like, of course it was going to take time to kick in. Of course that's why we felt that way. It was just, <laughs> just fucking two idiots just having fun. <laughs> nobody ever dies. <laughs> you think you will, but nobody does. It's fucking crazy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I was Diego Sanchez five years before it was cool. Oh, on that note, <laughs> let's get out of here, boys. Sounds good. I gotta go do some work and uh, take care of some stuff. So let's uh, find some music and get the fuck out of there. It was fun. I was glad to have. Uh, I was glad Kyle jumped on. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Cal. I talked to him, man. Hey, Kyle, awesome talking to you, brother. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Ryan and Kyle have not spoken. In oh, person. that's awesome. Okay, I didn't realize that. I would yeah. also like to say. Yeah. 
fuck you, Kyle. Fuck. And you know why. Fuck you, Cam. <laughs> I should have, I should have, uh, I should have keyed up a South Park thing of, of Cartman saying, fuck you, Cam. Yeah, I could, I'll tell Kyle in person that oh, soon. That's great. Well, this was fun, man. Drug talk. Not okay. a podcast podcast. I think we, I think we did good. I had a fun time uh, sharing I my. Yeah. I did drugs while talking about drugs. I did too, as a matter of fact. Is that going? <laughs> no. Well, then I'm clean. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you again for Kyle Steele for coming on for the show. Not a podcast podcast. Jeff Shannon, Ryan Dempsey, David Van Boglen. Check out the Average Shows MMA show every Thursday night. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course iTunes. We're out.